Okay, let's get started with uh, Parshas Noah, Tavshin Ayin Vav, this year's uh, edition of Parshas Noah. And uh, just before we start, in Yana Diyoma, just uh, a thought, all of Kalei Yisrael needs chizik right now. We all have to um, be focused on everything we're doing, on Kodesh Baruch Hu. We daven for a Yeshua. And just a thought from the Darki Musar, this is not on your sheet, but just the Darki Musar in Parshas Ha'azinu tells us on the Pasuk, Kel Emuna Ve'inavel, Hashem is Emuna. He is the utmost in truth, ve'ain avel, and there is nothing, there is nothing crooked, there is nothing uh, not true and good about God. He writes there, ki lahamin shakadosh baruchu barashamayim va'aretz lo tzarech lazechachma yisera. To believe that Hashem created the world doesn't take that much thinking, that much wisdom. It's somewhat obvious. The Rambam writes in Maranavuchim that it is not something that is. Uh, Illogical. It's not something that is uh, something that we have to think uh, deeply about. It should be obvious. Obvious, straight knowledge is something that is mechayev this. But the ultimate level is to believe in Hakadosh Baruch Hu and to realize that He is in charge when there seems to be avel. That's obvious. But even when in our limited, finite brains. It appears to us, and it appears to all humankind, that there is Avel. It appears to all of Am Yisrael. We still have to strengthen our emuna and realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not only the Borei, he is the Manhig. And that's what he says. He says, as, as we have witnessed throughout the generations, throughout the generations, this is nothing new, Rachman Litzlan, for 2,000 years, we have been suffering but Baruch Hu, we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us. And he quotes from his Rebbe that he heard from the Chazonish that it, it's just, if, you, if, you, if we look at a tailor, he writes, We could look at a tailor and see him cutting a beged. And we know that there's a greater good coming from the fact that he's cutting a garment. But if you ask a two-year-old or a three-year-old what's happening there, it looks like he's just ripping. If we try to explain physics to a third grader, it's just beyond their capabilities. He just doesn't have the kalim to understand it. If we try to describe to uh, an elementary school child astrophysics and something super, how to, how to build a spaceship, it's just beyond them. If we try to explain to a dog how to drive a car, it's beyond the ability of the Bria. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu tries to explain to us, Sadik Varala, Rasha Vatovla, it's beyond our capabilities. But we realize and we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Bore, he is the Manhig, and there is a plan, there is a Baal Habira, and we daven that HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only have his tochnit and have his plans, but Bel Hashem, he should be, he should show his glory, make it obvious for us that he is the Bore, and Bel Hashem bring, uh, as we daven this week, so Ketzva Sof L'Chaltzal Rosenu, Okay, so now let's get into Parshas Noach. A lot to talk about tonight. Tavshanayin Vav. All of these Parshios, again, as each, each time as we open, it's a new beginning. Bracious Noach, Lech Lecha. Every Parsha is a new beginning. We meet somebody new. Noach, and then Avram Avinu, and then Yitzchak, and then Yaakov, and then the Shvatim, and every Parsha. And then we get into the cliffhangers with Yosef. Every Parsha. But there is a fascinating Ha'ara that Rav Hirsch makes in source number one that others did not see so commonly made. Ela told us Noah. Do we ever think about that phrase? Ela told us Noah. 
It sounds like a Parshas Bereshus type of phrase. Eiletoldos, we've had that phrase before. Back in Parshas Bereshus, when we were speaking about Brias Ha'olam, beginning of Perak Bey's Pasuk Dalet, Eiletoldos, Shemayim V'aretz Behibaram. It's as if there's another story of creation here. It reminds us of just a few psukim ago, says Rav Hirsch. Eila Toldos explains Rav Hirsch because it is a new beginning. It is a new bracious. It introduces source number one, a new series of developments. So here a new series of developments of mankind is introduced. The rest of mankind perishes. Noach is a second Adam and stands at the head of a new generation of mankind. This is a new beginning. There was a start, now there's a restart, Parshas Noach. And we'll see maybe in the last thought that we're going to mention tonight, Be'ez Hashem, there'll be a third restart, as we will see. But says Rav Hirsch, that's the message of the parallel Lashon between Ela told us in last week's Parsha, talking about Maisa Bracious, and Ela told us in this week's Parsha. Because Noach is a beginning as the beginning was in last week. And he continues and adds that the word toldos, the offspring, the generations, this is said by others as well, this point, the greatest production, the greatest offspring that man could have in life is what he or she produces in terms of their mice and tovim. Ela told us Noach. What are the toldos of Noach? Before we write about his children, Noach ish tzadik tamim hayabedarosav. It was that he was righteous. It's that he was complete. It was everything that he accomplished in life. The first product of a man, the first result of his work is his own character, writes Rav Hirsch. This would be especially the case in a time like that in Noach's, in which you know one would look around at what the rest of the world is involved in and how hard he has to work. But that's Ela told us Noach, the second point. So those are the two horrors that Rav Hirsch has in, in, by the way, of getting us started tonight. So now let's get to the beginning of the Parsha, and the first Rashi, which we're going to come back to a number of times, a number of the thoughts tonight, are going to relate back to this Rashi because many Mepharshim talk about this Rashi at length. There is hardly, and we mention this probably each year, here in our eighth year, there is hardly a personality in all of Tanakh that has such opposite opinions in Chazal about them, besides Noah. Usually we know, good guy, bad guy. We know, Tzadik, Russia. Most people in the Torah, we know exactly how to describe them. We know Moshe and we know Bilam. And we know Avram, Mislach, and Yaakov. And we know Lavan. We know Noah. What does the first Rashi say? The Torah puts in one word that opens up <coughs> hours and hours and pages and pages of literature. Bidorosaf. One word. Noah was a tzaddik tamim in his generations. Bidorosav. What is that word emphasizing? Of course it was in his generations. What, he was a tzaddik or a tamim in a different generation? What does the Torah have to write? In his generations. So the famous Rashi, Rashi tells us in, Pasuk, in the first Pasuk, Bidorosav, Yesh me raboseinu darshim osolishvach. There are those that darshin this as a praise of Noach. In his generation, he was a tzaddik. With all the depravity and all the, the terrible state that the generation was in, in his generation, he was a tzaddik. Can't imagine what he would have been in a, in a more righteous generation. How great he would have been. He would have been an even more unbelievable tzaddik. That's one shot of Ladarosav. 
and there are others that darshan it in exactly the opposite. It's interesting that there are no opinion names given in this Madrash. It doesn't say, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Noach was, was Gana. It doesn't say that. It just says, Yesh Omer. We'll leave it anonymous. Yesh Omer. This, Yesh Omer, and also, some point out that the first one says, Yesh Meir Abosenu, and the second one just says, Yesh. And there are those that darshan also Ligani, and there are those that darshan it negatively. Lafido Rohayatzadik. He was a tzadik in his generation. Because, well, relatively, well, who else was as good as he was? But if he would have been in the Dara of Avraham, he wouldn't have been anybody. Right? He was, a, he was a great guy. He was a great tzaddik because of the comparison to the rest of his generation. So the most famous question on this Rashi is, why would anybody darshan it Even if you want to say maybe that's what it means, but maybe it means something positive. Why would you darshan? We don't have really anything explicit in the Torah that Noah did wrong. There are various midrashim, and we'll talk about some things tonight about contrasting him to Avram Avinu, like we have here. But that's a little tough to compare anybody to Avram Avinu would be holding a high standard. So why would anybody darshan the Gnai? So many of the mafarshim try to limit the Gnai and to re-explain it in a little different way. Gnai really means not as mishubach, but it doesn't really mean Gnai. So we'll see a number of thoughts. Let's see one right now from the Yam Simcha. The Yam Simcha, Rafreed, in his Sefer. Eila told us, Noach, Lochitz, Adik Tamim. So we had to do a Kushis, Olam, line three, in source number two. It's known, the Kash of the world, Dem Yechol, Nidrosh, Lashvach, Amai Yidrosh, Lagnai. If you could darshan it in a positive way, why would anybody be so negative? See, he says, Vyesh Latarait, there's a two step answer. Based on those two steps, we use it to come up to the answer to the question. As we said, even those who darshan it lignai, it doesn't really mean gnai. It doesn't really mean negative, totally. Let me explain. First, based on a mar vashemesh. One of them, a farshim on the Torah. The Pazik says, Noach is sadik tamim bidarosav. What do you need the word haya for? Tamim bidarosav. He was complete in his generation. What do you have to have the word haya for? What does the word haya mean? So Chazal tell us in the Vayikra, Vayikra Rabbah, Chazal darshin, ein vahaya ela lashon simcha. Vahaya im shamoa. Vahaya is lashon simcha. Vayahi is lashon tsara. We're not going to get into that right now, why that is. We've discussed in the past, the Vilna Gon, the difference between vayahi and vahaya. But vahaya, Chazal say, is Lashon Simcha. De Iker Avodas Hashem Shiyehe Tamid Besimcha. There is such a major part of service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to be happy. Kimidas Atzvus Mazik Ma'ol Avodasi Yisbara. We can't function properly in the world of spirituality if we're upset, if we're sad, if we're depressed. We get so much more accomplished when we're in a good mood. If we're, feel, if we're feeling it, if we're in the zone, if we're feeling it, then we could get up, we get up in the morning and we jump and we learn and we're into it. And if something bothers us, if something happens during the day that like, you know, gets to us, then the rest of the day is affected. We're just not as productive. We just don't accomplish as much. That's just the way it is because it's the eight Sahara. Because everybody in life has those events. We just got to try to fight through them. Ivdu, as Hashem B'Simcha, it's an avoda. We gotta worry, it's not easy. We're not always, you know, there are some people that we know that always are so happy and smiling. 
So we have a few individuals, Yechidi Eskula, but most of us, we try to be that way. But so it's, it's a challenge. So the first point is that that's the Avoda. The Avoda is to be Besimcha. Umiteva Ha'adab, line 15. Harotalav, what is Hashem, Be'emes. Yeshloman Atzvus. Shemai Savini Yishram Be'enav. Sometimes we even think about ourselves. I'm not doing enough. I'm not accomplishing everything that I should accomplish. I'm not perfect in this area. And we get a little sad. I wish I was like them. I wish I did as much as them. So we have to push ourselves and realize, do the best we can, and then make sure that, I mean, folks greet everyone with a smile because a smile affects ourselves as well. It's inside. Says the Yam Simcha, in the name of the Marva Shemesh, that's point number one. Tamim Haya Bidarosa. Even though Noach looked around that he was the only one in his generation that was doing what he was doing and serving and everybody else was involved in terrible acts of Gezel, of Hamas, of all the other Averis that were being done, Noach was besimcha. Tamim haya. In haya elosh and simcha, tamim haya bedarosa. Number one, that's what Noach did. Number two, and then we'll come up to the answer. Number two, he quotes. On line 26, he quotes from the Divrei Chaim. The sons of Rebbe. He quotes the source to, on line 26. Quotes the Gemara in Yuma. Hechi dami balchuva. The Gemara says at the end of Yuma. What is an ultimate balchuva? The Gemara says, Baosa isha baoso perak baoso makom. Which literally means, if somebody is in the exact same circumstance that they were at the time of the original sin, this, everything is exactly the same and they overcome and don't commit the crime, don't commit the sin, that's ultimate tshuva. Ba'oso makom, ba'oso isha, ba'oso zman. That's the usual common understanding. But he suggested another understanding. What's about tshuva? Someone who doesn't always push off. It's too hard right now. It's too hard in this situation. It's later. Tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start... It's not now. How do you expect now? Next week, I'm busy right now. Hechi dami balchuva, baosa makom, baosa isha, baosa zman. At that exact moment in time, that's when, without any tirutzim, without any excuses, habaldin mamsi loladam bechol pam tirutzim shonim leha meavodas Hashem isbarach. So often, the Yitzhara pushes us away and makes us procrastinate. I can't, I'm busy, it's busy season. But Chazal say, we can't say that. As it says in Perkeyavos, Oh, when I get to it. No, we might not ever get to it. That's what, on the bottom of the column. What's Shuva, ultimate Shuva? At that moment. Like the Chavetz Chaim says, Pasuk in Shmos, Ha'adama Asher Ta'omeda Lavad Mas Kodeshi. Right to Moshe Rabbeinu, the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Take off your shoes. But the Chavetz Chaim says, take that out of context. The ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Wherever we're standing is holy ground. Wherever we're standing, there's, there's such power in that moment. So those are two points that we're going to now put together. Number one, to serve Hashem B'Simcha, even when there are forces around us that are pulling us down. And number two, not to push things off. Two Yisodos in Avodas Hashem. 
Now, left side. Says the Yam Simcha. What does it mean? Tamim Haya. Bidarosav. Noach did both of these. Number one, he did it besimcha. Haya bidarosav. And number two, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to do it in this generation. You expect me to accomplish in this generation? Bidarosav with everything that's going on around? He says, forget it. I can't. No, he didn't say that. Right? What is Darosav emphasizing? So he says these two points, line five. The bidar I'm the only guy in the whole generation. Nobody else. They said they're going to kill me. I have to schlep all these animals into the teva. Maybe the lion's going to bite me, as we'll get to later. And he could have, he could have been depressed a little bit. Noach. Va'od. And also line seven, cheshbonos. You could have made cheshbonos. It's hard to be a tzaddik and an emon. I can't, not now. And he overcame both of those. He did it besimcha, and he did it right now. He continued acting in proper avodas Hashem. That's the emphasis of bedarosav for the one who darshan did l'shvach. So what about the lignai? That was the one that was more difficult. Says the yam simcha. It doesn't really mean gnai, as we thought. What he's saying is that Noach's avoda and what Noach accomplished was specifically in his generation. That was his nisayon. What does it mean? If he would have been in Avram's generation, he would have been nechshav leklum. What does that mean? He wouldn't have been able to accomplish his unique nisayon of overcoming all of society going down. And he was able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the face of that. He wouldn't have accomplished that. In the Dar of Avraham. It wasn't that the whole world had, was Gezel and Hamas and Arayos. He wouldn't have been as great in a different generation, not comparing him to Avraham, comparing him to himself in another generation. That's what Lugnai means. Why? Because Dafka in this generation, he was able to act besimcha in the face of it all. He was able to say, I'm doing it now, even though everybody is telling me not to do it now. He wouldn't have had those challenges. In the other generations. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Dafka put him in this generation. But you're right, it's somewhat G'nai in that. It's saying that in a different generation, he wouldn't have been as great. Because his Nisyonos were specifically tailored to him. Aval Vadai, he says. Let's just read it. It wasn't inherently negative. If he was with Abraham, who would have made it easier for him to also serve HaKadosh Baruch he wouldn't have been the only one, well, he wouldn't have the same as Yonos. His avoda wouldn't have been as beloved. That's the G'nai, the word Dorosav is saying, G'nai, if he would have been in another generation, he wouldn't have been as great specifically in this generation. So it's not really a G'nai at all, according to the Abshat. So that's the Yamsim. Moving right along. Again, so much to talk about here in Noach, we got to pick and choose. Let's go to Perik Vav Pasik Tezayin. So Noach builds the Teva. Builds the Teva. He gets the command to build the Teva, I should say. Build a Teva. The Ramban already notes that even this, we have the exact dimensions of the Teva. There's no way that all the animals could, inf- could fit on the Teva. It was a nace anyway, how all the animals fit on. But Hashem said, you do your part, I'll fit all the animals on. Good. So he builds the Teva, and he is commanded to put a Tsohar at the top of the Teva. 
Tsohar Tase Lateva. Pasik Tezayin. What is a Tsohar? What's a Tsohar? So Rashi, as we know, has two Pshatim. What a Tsohar is. Let's go with the opinion, first, that it's a window. It's a window. We'll mention both Pshat and the second Pshat, as we know, is that it was some type of, of precious stone that gave off light. Yesh Omrim Chalon, Yesh Omrim Evan Tova Meir Lahem. Yosef. If you remember, this Sefer is the one that has a thought on each Parsha and then has four pages about Ravavad Yosef about that thought, showing how he excelled in that Midah. That's the Shalhevis Yosef. Says the Shalhevis Yosef. This is the thought part of the of the of the um, message that he was giving. Why would he have to tell Noach to build a window on top? What do you think? Would Noach wouldn't have figured it out? If he wanted to build a window, he couldn't build a window. It had to be part of the tzivoy. Build a window. Okay, usually you build a boat, you would want to build a window. It doesn't say every single detail of the teva. It says the materials that he's supposed to use. It says the dimensions. It says what's supposed to be on each floor, or that there should be three floors. But it doesn't go into every other detail. And yet the tzohar is mentioned. What's the message? Four answers. Four pshatim he gives. First he quotes the Eben Ezra. The Eben Ezra, he says, on line four, Mivair. Classic Ebenezer, Pashtus, to, to give light. When to give light? Remember, it only rains for 40 days and 40 nights. After that, it was just waiting for the water to subside for the next couple of months. Or maybe it was sunny, right? They needed a little a, a light at the top of it to give some light. Well, they had candles, right? How would they have light? So after it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, so to have some light... And he quotes that from the Radak. We have the Radak on Sefer Bracious, besides on Navi. Okay, one shot. little difficult. Why would Hashem need to command him that then? Shot number one. Shot number two, he quotes that this is suggested by many. He quotes, the Olam suggests that these two opinions of window versus diamond maybe are parallel to the first two opinions in Rashi of the Parsha. Yesh darshim lagnai, yesh darshim l'shvach. And he quotes, and again there are many that suggest this, line 13. O metartzim, she'osa machlokes tuluye b'machlokes yedua inor nidrash l'shvach o lagnai. Right, it's the same parallel machlokes. What's the parallel? If Noach was a, a Russia, not a Russia, if you darshan it lignai, so then Noach is not allowed to look outside and see the wicked getting punished. He wasn't on such a great level that he was able to, to look at them. If he was a tzaddik, he's able to be, look at the mapalasan shell, Shall Rashaim Al Kaimon eighteen. Misha Doresha Noachoyat Sadik Gamur Sover Shahaya Batevaso Khalon. If he was at Sadik, Darshan Lishvach, so they held that there was a window. Why? Shayizke Liros Mabapalasa Shall Rashaim. Noach was Zochet to see Russia Viralahem. He was Zochet to see the wicked getting exactly what they deserved. But if you say Shanoach Loyat Sadik Gamur, 
Right? He wasn't a perfect tzaddik. So there wasn't a window. There was a beautiful stone. Evan Toba because he wasn't really for that. Okay. Second idea. Third idea. And this is his own. Line 24. Creative. Allah bidaiti lataritz. There's a Gemara that's quoted in Shulchan Arach and Mesechah's Brachos. The Gemara tells us, line in the third one. Amr Abchiyabar Abba Amr Abyochanan. Al Yispalal Adam Elabayis Shiesham Chalonos. It's always best to daven by a window, not a window that looks out onto the street so that we, our mind will be drawn to what's going out on the street. No, windows that open up to Shemayim. Windows that open up to something that will help and encourage our kavana. When we look at the sun and the, and, uh, and the clouds and the, the infinite wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's why we should daven at a window. It says Allah about davening at a window. It symbolizes the windows of heaven as well. So, suggest the Shalheves Yosef. told him to build a chalon. He's going to be doing a lot of davening besides feeding. So maybe that's a third shot. And then he quotes, at the top of the next page, he knows he quotes somebody who worked in Chel Hayam, he worked in the Navy, and he was there for years, whenever he used to look at the heavens and the sea, he always, he always thought of HaKadosh Baruch And then finally the fourth pshat. And this is what he relates. He always has the last answer to a question and then relates it to Rav Avadia. So here he says, but we're going to just go through the pshat. What's the pshat? Zachar Narni. He remembers. Shebimei He remembers when he was younger in yeshiva and it was Parshas Noach and there was a guest in the yeshiva that was coming around and he was known as an evil. He was known as an unbelievable uh, bucky and everything and they were talking and learning. And he asked them this question. Why do you, why do you need a chalon? And they were talking, no answer. He didn't accept any answer, but on line 15 he gave his own answer. Maybe the opposite of answer number two. You know why he had to have the window? So he wouldn't cut himself off from other people's suffering. They were Rishayim. But Noach, if somebody's suffering out there, right, you have to you have to be part of it. You can't just close yourself off. You're just gonna close off. Shalom Yisrael. Look around a little bit. Even though here you can't do anything, at least in your feelings. Right, what does it say? Pinfolo Yivcha al Tismach. We don't even say Hallel, according to one of the Pshatim. On Shvisha Pesach, Shira, the Mitzrayim were drowning. There were no great Sadiqim there. And yet we don't say Hallel. Batem Omrim Shira, Lehishtatif Bitsarasan. Obviously, Kalvachomer, when there are fellow Jews that are suffering, when there are fellow Jews Bitsaris, 
not to cut one off. Have the window open. Don't close your eyes to fellow suffering of Jews. And he even quotes beautifully uh, from uh, Parshas Shmos on line 20. He quotes, he once heard by Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Vayedah Moshe, Moshe got older, and he went out and he saw their, their suffering. And Rashi quotes, Nasan Eina Right, he focused on them. So he quotes that a pshat could be Vayigdal Moshe. Moshe grew up. What made him a grown man? What what reflected that he was grown up? That he went outside and he shared the pain of a fellow Jew. Vayigdal Moshe. How That's a take home one to connect to fellow Jews in their suffering. And like Moshe Rabbeinu sat on a rock in the uh, fight against Amalek, as we know in Parshas B'Shalach, there was a chalon there, so Noah wouldn't cut himself off. Okay. Obviously, Bizman Hazer, we need that message as well. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along, we continue to discuss the Teva, and Noah brings up on the animals all on the Teva, and... It rains and rains and rains. And what does the Pasuk say? Towards the end of Perak Zion, everything is wiped out. Everything that was outside the Teva is wiped out. And the Pasuk says, Only Noach and what was left with him was left in the Teva. Rashi quotes, Ach Noach. What is Ach Noach? Right, Ach, usually you don't have it before a name. Vayishar Ach Noach. Rashi quotes three pshatim. Usually when Rashi quotes two pshatim, you could say, which one does the, uh, is, does the, is there a problem with one of the other pshatim? Rashi here quotes the pshat and then two other pshatim. Vayishar Ach Noach. Levad Noach. Maybe Ach just means Levad, only. Only Noach was left. Vayishayar ach noach. That's it. Levanoach. Zeu pshuto. That's the pshat. But Rashi does not suffice with the pshat. Rashi, once heard from one of my rabbeim, Rashi reflects also the nature of the sefer. Rashi quotes more agadic messages for us in Brashas and Shmos than he does in the entire rest of the Torah. Vayikra is more straightforward halacha. Rashi is very straightforward halacha. Even in the few stories that we have in Sefer Vayikra, Rashi is more halachic. Rashi reflects the message of the of the Sefer. So here, there's pshat, but then Rashi feels the need to give us two other messages of the word ach. Medrish agada. This is number two now. Hayagoneach v'koheh dam. He was groaning and complaining and coughing up blood. From he had to be a zookeeper for the whole world. It's not so easy. He was groaning. Ah, ugh, ugh. Like like a sound, like he was complaining. He was uh look, it was, it was a tough, tough job. So ah maybe means alone. Second shot means ah, he was krechzing, he was sighing, he was groaning. Ah. Number three. Omrim. Third shot. Sheicher mezonos laari vehechishu. You know why he screamed out, Ach! Because one day he was late bringing the lion his lunch and the lion took a swipe at him and hurt him. And that's the Ach. 
Vihikisho and hid him. Valav Neamar Hain Sadik Baaretz Yeshulam. Okay, Pasikin Mishlay. Three Pshatim. Right, ah, here's the Pshat. And then just just Noah, Fisharak Noah. Or the two other pshatim, he was groaning and krechzing about all of the animals that he had to feed, and the and the tircha, and number two, number three, the uh, lion that that hurt him. Says of Yosef Nachem Yikornitzer. Haven't looked at his sefer in uh, too long, so let's look at it. Yosef Nachem the last rabbi in uh, Krakow. Here we go, the father-in-law of Shapsi Frankel. Rabbi Yosef Nachemia. Says Rabbi Yosef Nachemia after quoting Rashi. What's wrong with the pshat here? Rashi always said, Rashi's always bothered by something. Why does, what's Rashi bothered by? Ach. Ach is fine, alone. Va'od, secondly, Why does Rashi, what's the root of the machlokas between pshat number two and pshat number three? The three pshatim that are medrash. Right, either he's groaning because it's such hard work, or he's groaning because the lion hurt him. What's the what's the machlokas between those two? See, he says I'm also going to connect it. Third connection to Yesh Darshan Lagnai and Yesh Darshan Lishvach, but it's not going to be fully connected. Let's continue. Noach, Noach is Sadik. Remember the first pasuk. Ela told us Noach, Noach is Sadik. It says the word Noach twice in a row. Ela told us Noach, Noach is Sadik. The Medrash, line 11, tells us Noach, Noach, Kaful. There's a double Noach. Ela told us Noach, Noach. Ish Sadik Tamim Ayavadarosav. Lemar Shahaya Noach Lashamayim. Vinoach Labrios. He got along. If they would have listened to him, he was Noah. He was he was sweet. He was beloved to Shamayim and to any normal person in life. He would have been Noah Labrios. There was no chisaron on his part in terms of his personality. That's the double Noah. Noah is Sadik. El says Noah. Noah is Sadik. Noah Lashamayim and Noah Labrios. Vehine. In your Noah Labrios, who? What does it mean, Noah Labrios? She mischasedim kol bruetevel. He did chesed with all creations and creatures. Lo rakin b'nei adam. Not only with people. That was Noach's life. Ki ilule kein hayonikra Noach l'b'nei adam. He would have only been called Noach to people. doesn't say people here. What did it say? Labrios. Labrios includes animals. Ula milas brios kolala says kol chai margish. Any live being. V'chein be'emeth. Mitas ha-shlemim she-yachushlamin she-yachushu l'tzar kobal chayim. Right, the ultimate, complete religious personality feels the pain even of an animal. Right, Sar Balechayim. The Gemara talks about. The Gemara even says you have to feed your, your animals before you sit down to eat. And Noach was that before the Mabal. Before the experience of the Mabal and the Teva. Remember, there's pre Mabal and post post Mabal. What do we know about Noah? We only know one thing. Right, he built a vineyard, whatever happened there, with his sons. So, Noach said all those descriptions were before the Mabal. Suggest of Yosef Nechemiah, after the Mabal, Ulam Achara Mabal, line 21, Kasuv, Shenishar Ach Noach Levad. There was only one Noach left afterwards. Before the Mabal, there was double Noach. Noach Lashamayim, 
V'noach labrios. Ela told us, Noach, Noach is tzaddik. Vayishayar, after the whole thing. Vayishayar, ach, Noach. Shalouma, shemitchilo, haya noach kafula, shemayin v'labrios. Hineata, nigla, shenishar, ach, Noach, echad levad. Lashamayim, v'lo labrios. Lashamayim. Ubameyo deazos, how do you know that? Kinisroka nimidas noach labrios. Umatam yeishba. How do you know? Where did Chazal get that Noach lost the complete perfection of Noach Labrios? Again, and we're not saying we would have been any better if in the situation that he was put in. But where do you see that? So that's what Chazal see deeper in the word Ach. Says the Rav Yosef and now he connects it back to our earlier Machlokas. These two opinions now. Ach is the Pshat. But how do we know that only one Noach was left? It was only Noach, not double Noach. So, Yesh Darshim Lignai Amru. What does that mean? What does it mean, Gnai? Misha Oiv Be'emes L'schasid L'hetiv Imzulaso. If somebody really loves to give and loves to do chesed and loves to be Moser to others, Az Ba'avaso Labrios L'tichbar Alav Avodaso. They wouldn't complain about it. If they love what they're doing and they realize the value of what they're doing, they're not going to complain about it. Complaining means I don't realize what I'm accomplishing. Right? He quotes, what does the Pasuk say? When Yaakov was working for Rachel after he was tricked, the days went by so quickly. What do you mean quickly? It should have gone by slower. If you really want something and you don't have it, it takes, it's hours. No, but he realized who Rachel was, so it went by like nothing. Because he was there was true love of Rachel. And what did Noach do? This is the first shot of the Madrish. The Kivan said, Noach, what did he do? He just groaned and groaned from schlepping and having to feed the animals. You realize he wasn't he didn't have it anymore. He didn't have that Avas Habrios anymore that he might have had beforehand. Right? He wasn't on that perfection level anymore. So yesh l'gnai, l'gnai means he lost. He lost that element of Noach. Because it could be, again, not that we would have done any better. But that's one shot. What about the other shot? What about the third day in Rashi? The darshim l'shvach? He gives a mashal. gives a mashal. Einenu Roas, line 39. Sometimes you do something for a friend, a parent does something for a child, or any time it comes up, you do something for them 99 times. 99 times. One time, two time. There's no really big thank you. There's no real... You have supper ready every night. Everything. Do it again and again and again and again. Hardly any recognition. One time you forget. One time I don't do something. One time something's not ready. All of a sudden, excuse me, what, what, where is it? What's happening? Why didn't you do it? You can imagine the provider of the 99 times who was never told thank you, and then finally the 100th time, they could be a little upset. Kfui tova. Even though they really love giving. But that's understandable. That's natural. Noah brought the lion his food every single day for a year on time. Every single day. One time 
he gets swiped. Of course he's going to be a little upset. Ugh! And he groans about it, and he's upset about it. But that's not a reflection that he lost his Noach Labrios, really. Momentarily, maybe. Maybe I'm not going to give it to you tomorrow to teach you a lesson. But it's not that he lost that feeling. Because that's understandable. Even for the greatest, Baal Chesed. Line 43. 99 times. And one time, the hundredth time, Nimna Mimcha. All of a sudden, I'm going to get upset, and I have every right to get upset. So Noach didn't complain in general. He complained about this one time, that this is what happened to him. So says of Yosef Nechemia, take a step back. What did he just do? He just explained all three pshatim of Rashi. The pshat, it was just Noach, but it's deeper than just Noach. Just one part of Noach was left. Not Noach, Noach, like we had earlier in the parsha. Just one Noah. Where did Chazal know this from? Now go to the Medrash. Because he complained that he was groaning about it. Was he groaning just because of the Avodah in general? That's the Darshan Lagnai. He lost it. Or was he groaning because of this specific experience that he had, which is like the person who, who provided so much and only this time wasn't able to, to express it. Okay. Moving right along. So now we are after the Mabel. After the Mabel, or we should say the rain has stopped, the water has started to go down. What does Noach do? He opens up the window. Interesting here in Parakhes Pasigvav, it calls it a window. If the Tsar was the window, is this the Tsar? Because now the Torah is calling it the Chalon. Maybe this is a Raya that, that was not a Chalon. Okay. What does Noach do? Vayishalach es. Ha'orave. He sends out a raven. Sends out the raven. Vayetzi Yatsov Ashov. He goes back and forth. Nothing more is said about the orave. Then it says, Vayishalach Yona. Sends out the Yona. What was the message of the orave? What response did he get? If the orave didn't come back, didn't he know already that he found the tree? Good questions. But we're just going to focus on why the orave. Why did Noah choose to send out the raven? Out of all, you want to say it had to be a bird? Okay, there are many types of birds. Why the O-Rafe? Chazal gives some, a couple of answers. In the Ozra Torah, a couple of answers are given. I gave you one of them. Source number six. He quotes a Yalkut Ruveni. Yalkut Ruveni is 1600s, a medrash, a late medrash. Late medrash. Even, uh, might say just a commentary more than a medrash. The Alka Ruveni was when uh, the, uh, it appeared in the 1600s. As follows. Why the Ores? Ramaz Noach. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shehu Rachman Nefach Lachzari Kuma Orev. A raven is known as a brazen animal. An animal that is achzari. An animal that is not kind. Not even to its own offspring. There's a Gemara Ksubis that talks about that, where somebody doesn't support his children is compared to an Orev. Says the Medrash. So Noach said that an Orev as if to say, No, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Midos. Amr Yosi, V'apsiv ish tzadik tamim, Be'chitiyach dvarim klape mala. How did he do this? When did Noach tzadik ish tamim? Amr Abchiyah me'rov tzaro. He was in pain. He saw a destroyed world. 
Imagine, before he say he had trees, besides his house, the whole world, he looks around, there's nothing. He was, he was, he was beside himself. Maybe that's also why he planted a vineyard. Person's in pain. He was upset. But the Medrash continues about Hashem's response. On the Pasik Vayetzi Noach Uvanavi Ishto. Tanarabana, Maheshana Kadashbarakla Noach, what did he answer? Kishayatza Noach Minateva Varasa Olam Kharev, his Khalifkos. He started to cry. Where's the Rachmanus? You foolish shepherd. A shepherd is one who cares for their flock. You're a foolish shepherd. Why? Only now you're mentioning to me, oh, where's the Rachmanus? Many point out, Noach didn't say a word. When Hashem said, I'm destroying the world, Noach said, okay. No answer given. Avram, I'm destroying Stom. No, please don't. No, maybe, maybe, no, maybe, come on. 10 tzaddikim, 20 tzaddik. Avram bargained for Rishayim Gemurim. Noach didn't say a word. Hashem says to Noach, what, what, you're crying now? This is not the time. To, a little bit late, Noach. Noach, you're a little too late in your cry. Says the Otsras HaTorah now, expanding on the message. We always have to realize when there's time to daven, when there's time to cry, and we have to do it at the right time. We have to cry at the right time. Noach had cried earlier. Maybe it would have helped. Misupar, and he quotes a story from the Sefer Minah Meitzar. Quotes a story. After the First World War, there were new boundaries. A couple of countries traded land, and there were new boundaries that were drawn up for different countries. And there was one Jewish city that was mamish on the border. And the city was on one side of the border, and the cemetery, which the cemetery was always made outside the city, there's halacha, 50 amos outside the city, was on the other side of the border. The city was in Poland, the cemetery was in Russia. And every time somebody died, they had to go and wait and get permission to cross the border and show the documents. It was a big pain. And a big, bit uh, bizayin So what they do, so there's some Jews who had connections went, and they got special permission for the Hever Kadisha. They don't have to get permission. They can just go straight across the border. Straight across Fine. But then what happened? The Hever Kadisha, they saw, they started taking advantage. And they started maybe smuggling some things to the other side. Because they didn't have to pay any taxes, no uh, nothing. The black market. 
Milo Aran Fur Bisharas, Kisu Batalis, Rahmanulitslan, they made uh, this terrible mistake, but this is what they used to do. Pamachas one time, one of the Shomrim was there, and he saw that the Hever Kadisha, as they were carrying this, seemed to be in a little too good of a mood. They don't look like they were broken or at a Leviah. Heim so Hakim. So the guards came over and said, one minute here, what's going on here? They're like, oh no, we're carrying a Niftar. You don't look like you're at a Leviah. They're like, no, 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 nothing. Yeah, it's very serious. He's like, I don't believe you. Open up. They're like, no, open up. No, no, don't open up. And they start crying. Says the guard, I think you're crying a little too late. And obviously, they get in trouble. Tap of the next page. Shomer shotim kavshekamoschem. Achshavatem bochim. Ilu hayite bochim kodem lachem. Lo hayiten srichem lefchos achshav. If you would have cried when it was appropriate to cry, so then, right, we, we wouldn't be into this situation. We have to realize when we need to cry and when we need to daven. Again, another thought related to the Matzav today. The next paragraph. What do we learn? We realize that Noah was held accountable for not crying at the right time. But take a step back for a minute. Noah was held accountable for not crying for the rest of his generation. What did Noah do wrong? He has to cry for the rest of his generation. We have to cry for our generation. Line 10, Reviron Cutler. Me, Hema, Roim, Bidorenu. Who are the shepherds of our generation? Sha'alea, Mutelas, Amasima, Azos. Who are the ones that have to cry? Elu, B'nai, Torah, Mashkimu, Marivim, Batikanesiot. It's the Shomri, Toru, Mitzvos. We are the ones that carry the burden. And we have to cry for Achinu B'nai Yisrael. Revadi Yosef once said that, you know, we say all these Al-Chaits on Yom Kippur. Al-Chait, Al-Chait, Al-Chait. And sometimes we say an Al-Chait and we'll, Machalos Asuros. Okay, we didn't make a bracha. But some of them, some of them, most of them not, but some of them might be like somewhat, you know, difficult to relate to us. But, says Ravadia, what, like, Chil Shabbos, or, says Ravadia, if there's a Jew out there that's being Machal Shabbos, we have to clap al hate for that. If there's the sin of a Jew in anywhere in the world, that's us. We have to cry for that. We have to focus on that. Noach, a, you had a responsibility to cry, and number one, you got to do it in the proper time, at the proper where it is preventative, the where it could be effective. So the two messages that we learn from that medrash, mutual responsibility for our fellow man, and in the proper time. Okay, a couple more thoughts. Let's try to squeeze in to the to tonight's year. Let's skip for a moment source number eight. We'll come back at this time. Let's go to number nine. So we know at the end of the Parsha, not all the way at the end, but in Perak Tess, we have the generations listed. I'm sorry, in Perak, yeah, Perak, uh, towards the end, not in Perak Tess, Perak uh, Yud and Yud Aleph, after Dar HaFalaga. We don't have time to do all of that. We have the ten generations listed between Noah and Abraham. Ten generations. Noah lived... A long time. Noach lived, right, 500, and then he had children, and the, Noach lived in the, into the 900s. Our Pachshad, he lived 35, and then he lived another 400. Hundreds and hundreds of years, like we had at the end of Bracious. These personalities that lived 950 years, 800, and, the, and the shortest one was 365, Hanoch. 
The Ramban, already, this is not our issue now, but just to mention it, we mentioned it about uh, five, six years ago. The Ramban writes in source number nine, there is a machlokas between him and the Rambam. Did everybody in that generation live so long? Like, did everybody live like 800 years? Was that like the average lifespan? You know, if the Rambam, Revolvi points this out, we'll see this in a minute. If the Rambam lived as long as Mr. Shalach lived, he would still be alive today. It's pretty amazing to think about. The Rambam would, giving, would be giving shir today if he lived as long as Mr. Shalach lived. Or even Noah. Still be. Right? Still be alive. Unbelievable. So there's a machlokas between the Rambam and the Rabban. Did everybody in those generations live that long? Or only these people? Were these people special? Right? The Rambam, and he quotes, why well, he quotes on, says the, uh, he quotes the Rambam Shita, that it was only, it was only these people, and then he says on line 13, this is the Rambam talking, I don't like what the Rambam writes in the Guide for the Perplexed. Right? We have a Maranavuchim, the Ramban had a Maranavuchim. Right? I don't like what he says there. Only for these individuals. Everybody else lived to like 100. Everybody, these people lived to 950. Says the Ramban, why? These weren't even great tzaddikim. They weren't good. A lot of them, what, what, do, you, what do you think they, they, there was nothing told about them? So the Ramban himself says that they, everybody lived that long at that time. Okay, that's background for the following thought. We end off with two thoughts tonight. Number one from Revolbi. Right, the author of the Ali Shur in his Sefer on Chumash. What in the world did they do for so many years? What did they do? They didn't even have Torah. What did they do for 900 years? You know, sometimes somebody gets to be 110, they're like, oh. okay, they weren't, their body was working better at 100 than 10 than, than ours are. But what, what did they have to accomplish for 850 years? They lived for a, for a millennium. What did they do for so long? Revolbi in source number 10. He writes this, I gave you, he writes the same thing in Parshas Noach, that's source number 10, and in Bracious, source number 11. He says, where it's underlined, Harambam chai shloshim shivim v'shaloshana. The Rambam lived till he was 73. It's an amazing thing to think about. He would still be alive today. It's called Kushis al Rambam. We could have asked him. It's a stira. Rambam, what do you say? So what did they do for so long? So he quotes, based on a Ramchal. Based on a Ramchal. There was a different avoda. What they had to do, and Hashem realized that that's not where the world needs to go, and the avoda was changed with Avram Avinu. Says the Ramchal, Shahadoras Arishonim Adoramabal, the Avksas Laacharamabal, Herichu Yamim, Mipnesha, Hayulam, Asogos, Atsumos, Bechosodos, Abria. They had unbelievable understandings about the secrets of creation. Ukechal Shehim, Herichu Yamim, and the more they lived, the deeper understandings they got. His Galulam, Osodos, philosophy and depth and deep and metaphysics, and they understood the secrets of the entire universe. And through their knowledge and through their secrets, this would 
perfect the worlds. That was the original plan, so to speak. The avoda was in terms of shleimus hadas. It was in terms of perfecting the mind, perfecting the understandings and the depth of knowledge. But what happened with all of that knowledge? What happened with all of those understandings? The Dar Hamabel, the Dar Haflaga, they tried to build a tower and get up to God. Nothing good came of that Derech of Avoda. Even 900 years worth, right? Nothing came of it until Avram Avinu. And in the days of Avram Avinu, the world shifted. Avoda wasn't through knowledge, but through action and through service and through subjecting myself the knowledge of God, not just being knowledge, but demanding ethical behavior. We can't say Torah behavior yet because that was later. Even though Avram Avinu intuited a lot of the Torah, but that was a major change. Different Mahalach in service of the world. Tikkun Olam, line 11. The perfection of the world. Lo yase al yedei gilui sodos would not come through secrets. Ella al yedei avoda would not come through philosophizing, but through commitment. Harishon bazehay avram avinu, and from avram avinu came the avos and came the Torah. Umizet yatsan tikkun olam, and he says somebody can be brilliant and know all the secrets about God, but that won't affect who they are. You don't have to look further than Bilam Arasha. Chazal tell us Bilam was as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. In terms of his knowledge, in terms of a, he knew when Hashem would get angry. That's pretty amazing. He knew the moment exactly when Hashem would get angry. You got to be pretty smart in in terms of divine knowledge to know that. And Bilam knew it, but he was still a Russia Mushchus, and he still wanted to destroy a nation that never did anything to him, because pure knowledge, depth, and understanding, without not being translated into action and commitment could lead to the Dor HaMabal and the Dor HaFlaga. That was the Chiddush of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu told us, no, you have to commit. You have to understand. You have to realize what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. And that can be accomplished even in a much shorter lifespan. And that's what changed. Because you don't need 900 years to perfect what that Avoda is. You could do it in 120 or even less. Says Zervolbi, we have to understand what our, what our job is about. What our job is about. Right? We say, Arichas Yom Vishanim. That's the bracha. To full days and full years. But even as long as we fill our days, that already, that already is enough. And one final thought. One final thought to end with such a basic thought from the Maharalmi Prague in source number 12 on the back page, also connecting to Avram Avinu. There is a Rashi, a troubling Rashi, at the end of the Parsha. This is the Maharal in the Sefer, in his Gur Arye, on Rashi. Rashi says at the end of the Parsha, last Pusik, Terach lived for 205 years, and he died. Vayamas Terach Becharan, end of Parsha's Noach. Terach died in Charan. Rashi says, Terach really didn't die yet. Right When Avram went Lech Lecha and he went to Eretz Yisrael, Terach was not dead yet. Says Rashi. So why does the Torah say that he died? 
says Rashi, so it wouldn't be so obvious that Avram Avinu is not being How could you leave your father forever? The Torah doesn't want to say that, oh, Terach, yeah, Terach, and then Avram Avinu left. Oh, Terach, he left Terach. How could he do that? So the Torah says, oh, he died. That's Rashi in the name of Chazal. Ask the Ramban, what is this, a game? Well, we can't do math? Are, the Torah is pulling the wool over our eyes. Ah, oh, Terach died. We all can do basic math. We know that Terach is still alive. What's, what's the Gemara talking about? What's the Chazal talking about? Asked the Ramban. The Ramban says, I have a, I have a more simple pshat. Why the Torah says Terach died? It is very common in the Torah. When the Torah is switching gears... When the Torah is going from talking about Avraham to Yitzchak, or Yitz, when the Torah is about to talk about a different personality, and you want to finish the stories of the previous personality, you say that they died. Noah lived for a couple of decades after Avraham was born. But you know what? It first says that Noah died. Even though there was an overlap between them. The Ramban says that's the derech of the Torah. You say people died before they actually died because you want to finish talking about this person and then you get into the next person. Not so difficult. Says the Maharal, and then we'll get to his main point. No, no, Ramban, let me, let me explain Rashi. Rashi knows what you're saying. This is all outside of the beginning of source number 12. Rashi understands what you're saying. But you know when the Torah says somebody died when they want to finish talking about somebody? That's when there was a whole segment in the Torah about that person. You want to finish, so you say they died. And then you go on to the next person. Ramban. The Torah says nothing about Terach. The only thing the Torah tells us about Terach is that he died. Okay, the Medrash, he had a, a, an idol store, and he went to Nimro, and he went to Nimro, and he got out of him in trouble. But we don't, the Torah says nothing. That's why Chazal are bothered. You don't say somebody died to finish what they're talking about, about that person, when they never said a word about that person. It's as if it's stuck in here on purpose. So that's point number one of the Maharal. Don't jump on Rashi. But then the Maharal says something else. What's the message about Kibbutz Right? It's a trick. We can't do the basic math. Says the Gur Aryeh. On the left side, there's something very deep that Chazal are telling us here. And it's based on a medrash. The, uh, the Maharal quotes a medrash. If I can find the medrash inside. Yes, on the bottom of the right side. Bottom of the right side, he quotes a medrash. Line 9. Avram was scared to go to Eretz Yisrael. Because it will be a chilo Hashem because of the lack of kibbutz av that he's having. The yomer hiniach aviv leizik nusav yetsay. I left my my elderly father all by himself. Amar lo akadosh baruch hu lecha ani potarcha mikibbutz kibbutz av ve'ein ve'ein ani poteracher. I give you a personal exemption. No one else. Velo od and not only that, but I'm going to be mocked him his death. What does that mean? 
What's that? Why does Avram have a Peturah and why does, what does that do with Terach's death? Says the Maharal, unbelievable. Avram Avinu did not have any longer an obligation of Kibbutz Aim. Because Avram Avinu was starting new. Avram Avinu was bracious, take three. If we might go back to the first thought that we said tonight. Avinu was a cutoff. He was meant not take himself from his past. So it was as if Gersh and his Gayer and Shanola dummy. It was as if he was new. He wasn't halachically a convert, but his past, it was as if his father had died. Tarach died because from Avra's point of view, once he heard the words Lech Lecha Me'artzacha, there was nothing. Line 9. It doesn't mean, oh, we're, we're hiding it. You can't figure it out. No, there is no kibodav. The covet aviv shayach kasher aben shayach umesiach eselaviv. Kibodav is when there's a connection. V'kan lo haya avraham nikshar im terach. There was no connection between terach and avraham. V'haya avraham haschala. Avraham was the beginning. I didn't give it to you again, but review the Rambam in Hilchas Avodas Kochavim. About Avram Avinu and the spiritual parade. Avram started it. That's why it's mocked in the Misa of Tarach. Lomar to teach us. Line 13. Tarach is dead. Avram Avinu is starting. Very different. Tarach and this whole world was before. They have nothing to do with it. Lech lecha. Go for you, Avraham. You have nothing to do with your family, right? You're not connected anymore. Avraham is new. He's a start. He doesn't give the mashal, but it's similar to, not exactly the same, but Moshe Rabbeinu had to be monotic himself from his own family for different purposes. He was the, another beginning, the beginning of Am Yisrael and the Torah. He also had to be monotic himself and separate himself. For Avraham Avinu, he was a haschala. He was a racious. He was Eitan Hazrachi, and we are his children. That's Vayom Aserf B'Charon. Everything from before is in the past, and now it's the new. We are now starting at the end of Parshas Noach in the new world, the world of monotheism, the world of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Okay, we'll stop here.